Are you self-employed and looking to get a home loan? Do you want to buy a property with your super fund? Or has your mortgage application been knocked back and you need a solution? At Better Mortgage Management, we specialize in solutions for home and investment loan borrowers. With over 50 loan products and 23 years lending experience, we have the flexibility and expertise to help you achieve your property dreams. Call us at 1300 857 275 to discuss how we can help you. This podcast is brought to you by Better Mortgage Management. Welcome to Season 2 of Cancer Culture Podcast. This podcast is not just about cancer. It's about the people whose lives have been profoundly affected by it. Throughout this season, we will hear from individuals who have faced unimaginable challenges from the relentless battles against this disease to the heartbreaking losses, sincere, real stories that need to be heard. Cancer Culture is a place of refuge where we try to provide insight, empathy, and a space for authentic storytelling. This podcast isn't an easy one, and it's definitely not for everyone. It is filled with moments of sadness, reflection, and inspiration, but also highlights profound growth, connection, and hope. I'm Jackie Cowan, and I'm your host. I'm definitely not a medical practitioner, but a normal 27-year-old chick who survived the hardships of cancer. If cancer has touched your life in any way, whether you're a patient, a caregiver, or someone who has experienced the pain of losing a loved one, reach out to me, reach out to our guests, and let us be a source of strength and support for one another. With gratitude in our hearts and a shared commitment to understanding and compassion, Let us honour the incredible individuals who have chosen to share their stories throughout season one and two. Through cancer culture, we can attempt to navigate the complexities of cancer, celebrate the triumphs and stand in solidarity with those who face this disease with unwavering courage. Today, we're joined by Ross Allen. Oh, (laughs) I thought you were giving me a cue. (laughs) Today, we're joined by... Ross Allen. Ross Allen, everybody. Woo! <laughs> so, Ross and I met, I want to say maybe, I think you were one of my first guests on the show, honestly. Is that it, right? Yeah. So, for our listeners that are unaware, this is very separate to what I do on a day-to-day basis. So, I'm a radio announcer in Port Lincoln, South Australia, and uh, it took me a little while to start getting involved with the community, but once I did... I started meeting and realizing that there are some incredible people down here doing amazing things, and uh, you were one of those first people. Wow! And the most, one of the most amazing. Just saying. <laughs> I like your style. <laughs> so Ross, you were doing a fundraiser in regards to a bike ride and a car show, which went from the Lincoln Foreshore out to Tolka. Yes. Which for our listeners is about, how far is oh, that? Only about 12 Ks. Yeah, about 12 Ks. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was to raise money for the Cancer Council. Cancer Council, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I, I try and do a bit every couple of years or so. And this was another idea I had. So yeah, it worked out well. We had some good live music down at Talka and a bit of fun. And it was a big old day. Yeah. Worked really well. And so we're going to talk about that later on in the episode. Okay. But you and I both realise that we have something in common, and that is we've both defied the odds and we've beat cancer. So far, yeah. So far, yeah. 
<laughs> so far, so good. Let's touch this wood. <laughs> but yeah, I want to know a little bit about who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. About me. Mm. Um, depends on how far you want to go back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess what I often ask people mm. is, who were you before you had cancer? I got diagnosed about 12 or 13 years ago. And I was just organising to retire from work. And I had a whole lot of plans for when I retired from work. It was uh, just on my 60th birthday, so all been good. And a few weeks after I retired from work and started getting into all sorts of things that I like to spend my time in, I had my annual checkup with my doctor. And previous to that, I'd had a digital examination of my prostate. For some reason this time I said to him, well, can we do both digital and a PSA blood test? Yeah. And he said, yeah, why not? Let's do that. He was always telling me everything feels fine. And then he rang me a few days later after he got the blood test results to tell me my PSA was elevated considerably and he wanted me to have another test and then refer me on to an oncologist. So I had 60 years of uh, cancer-free life, yeah. if you like, and this uh, wasn't in my plans. So then I went to see an oncologist in Adelaide, had a biopsy, told me that, yeah, you've got a fairly aggressive cancer, really. I should do something about it as soon as possible. What did you do for work? I was a ranger with South Australian National Parks and Wildlife Service. That's right. Yeah, 30-odd years travelling around South Australia, working in different locations. Ended up in Port Lincoln, which was great. I spent a lot of time out in the natural world, which I love, doing things to help endangered wildlife particularly. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time... Hanging out with them. Hanging out with... (laughs) wildlife as much as possible as well as visitors to parks and things but do you have any kids or a partner yeah i've got a partner long-term partner and i've got two girls who are now longer girls yeah (laughs) ladies and one of them's just produced our first grandchild a year ago so that's exciting that is really great yeah awesome and so 12 years ago you were diagnosed yeah 12 years ago or thereabouts yeah and that's a pretty massive thing considering you were getting ready to retire. And yes. then just as you're starting this new exciting chapter of freedom, yep. even though you loved your job, which you've touched on, it's still, I couldn't imagine what yeah. that would feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, was, it really knocked me over. And especially when I got told, we want you in the Royal Adelaide Hospital as soon as possible mm. to remove your prostate. So what was that timeline like? Only a, a few weeks. Yeah after the biopsy and further blood tests that confirmed where, where my PSA level was. And in hindsight, I wished I'd had blood tests much earlier. Mm. And now I understand that really every male over 40 should have an annual PSA test of their blood. What is a PSA test? P- PSA stands for prostate-specific antigen. So by taking a small sample of your blood, They can analyse it and, with amazing equipment now, see the tiniest traces of the particular antigen that prostate cancer puts out. Therefore, you can tell 
exactly where you are or if you have got any cancer cells or not by having a, a blood test, which is really good because you can detect it at a very, very low levels and then monitor it and work out with your oncologist what's the best process forward. So, yeah, I would wished I had annual blood tests from probably 10 years before or more before I finally convinced my doctor I should get a blood test. Did they offer it? Was it always on offer 10 years prior? It was available, but at that time, the particular GP I was seeing said, oh, don't worry about it. Yeah. I can, we can do it digitally and you're healthy, you're fit, you're active. I was doing triathlons and doing a whole lot of physical activity and people would say, oh, yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about having a blood test. So I just took that advice when I sort of worked out that maybe it'd be helpful to have a both. Yeah. Bingo, I get a, a reasonably high reading with a fairly an aggressive cancer because there's no symptoms. You just feel fine. That's what sort of can be a bit of a shock to the system when you're active, healthy, doing all sorts of stuff to be told, hmm, you've really got an aggressive unwell. cancer and we've got to do something about it. Yeah. And that's something that we're often hearing on this show is the state in which people are and they... You know, just chugging along. Life's looking really good and exciting and you're healthy, ETC, and then bam, it yeah, strikes. That's right. Obviously monitoring, getting, keeping an eye on things, mm. especially for blokes who probably don't want to go and see a doctor unless they've got a sore throat or something Yeah. or a broken leg. Yeah, it, it did uh, cause me a fair bit of grief initially. Yeah. And I ended up in the end talking to a psychologist for a while. Yeah. Because it would have been going a lot. on some medication, and yeah, it wasn't what I wanted to do at all. Yeah, what did your treatment process look like? The me, the operation I had. Yeah, so was it just an operation? Yeah, I I luckily got onto the best surgeon in Adelaide who does robotic controlled surgery, keyhole surgery. Yep. I was only, only in hospital sort of overnight. I didn't feel very comfortable for a little while, but I could actually go home get out of the hospital the next day um, so yeah it was a bit strange feeling fine walking into a surgery in a hospital being told to lie on that bed there and they're going to knock you out and get stuck into you it's not um, a nice feeling no it was a bit a bit unnerving and it wasn't very pleasant but that's what I chose to do. I mean, yeah. I could have, there's other various options from treatment, but I decided I'd rather remove this cancerous piece of body yeah. that I really didn't need. Uh-huh. No, <laughs> so thank that, you. <laughs> so that's what I did. And then it meant a few weeks of recovery and re recuperation in Adelaide before I came back to Port Lincoln. I'm trying to reiterate this to our listeners, but Adelaide is a seven-hour drive from Port Lincoln. It's not just around the corner. No. It is. Well, it is in terms of if you're flying, but flying is sometimes unaffordable. You're in a region a long way from the centre of that, all that medical help, so yeah. you've, got to, you've got to get there. You've got to Check accommodate ups. somehow. It's a costly experience okay. on top of a stressful experience. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. And so it's tough on your family mm -hmm. as well. And so how long was that recovery period? A couple of weeks in Adelaide or did it continue on when you came home? 
Oh, yeah, I was uncomfortable and sore for a week or two. Mm. Uh, I had a catheter, so I had to have that removed before I could leave Adelaide and come back to Lincoln. Thankfully, I did some pre-operational exercises on my pelvic floor. Like I said, I was fit, I still am fit and healthy, so I recovered pretty quickly from Mm. that point of view and I could go for a good walk around the block within a short period of time and finally get back on my bike after a few couple of weeks or so which was great so yeah focus on that was important Mm -hmm. but um yeah you always got this problem in the back of your head that you need to deal with reoccurrence sort of yeah sort of yeah what is that what is that like for you um pretty pretty ordinary actually because you know, all your friends and whatever know what you've gone through and they haven't seen you for a while, first thing they ask you, like, you know, how are you going, how's mm. things, you know, so you sort of have to regurgitate your issue regularly <laughs> for other people. It can be not a good thing to do. Yeah. Better to uh, be much more mindful and go for long walks down the beach and concentrate on watching the birds or the clouds and stuff, not delving back into the past or what the future may hold. But it's also okay to talk about things, right? It is. It is. And and in From the right circumstances, time, yeah. when you want to do it, yeah. not when other people want to know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that, that was not the best thing to do mm. for me. Yeah. So, yeah, getting back, exercising, getting endorphins going in my brain yeah. as much as possible uh, was really helpful. Something that we do talk about on this show is mental health. We put a lot of emphasis on that because when I was going through treatment, there wasn't access to things like this where people opened up about their emotional state during that time. I wish I went and saw a psychologist. You know, obviously I can't turn back time. And I I was 17, so I just wanted to be normal if I could turn back time. I would have gone and seen a psychologist because it's something that I'm still dealing with 11 years later. Yeah. No, it is important to get professional help. Yeah. uh, For sure. Mm. And it's, yeah, it helped me big time. So, yeah, it's not something to be worried about or ashamed of or whatever. Yeah. Do you still seek therapy or help? No, I don't now. A fair bit of time's gone by, though I did uh, three or four years after my operation and having six monthly blood test for the PSA, all showing undetectable, yeah. which is what it hopefully stays like, yeah. um, then it started to show up again. Okay. All right. <laughs> so back to the oncologist again, the surgeon, talk about what's going on. And he said, well, you know, when we did the pathology on your prostate, it looked like we got the lot, but there's no, never a guarantee. And obviously there was some amount of cells, cancerous cells, in that region generally. Mm. That meant I had to go through radiotherapy, so it was back to Adelaide for another, well, I think it was eight weeks of radiotherapy. Wow. Which meant a daily session on a machine in a hospital. For eight weeks? Yeah, only, only for Monday or Friday and only for about 20 minutes or so at a time. Yeah, I had to be there and had to go through that. And that, again depending on people's reactions to the you know, radiotherapy, and you can feel a bit fatigued and not very happy, and again, your mental health can suffer. So, Was yeah. that scary for you, second time round? Well, 
Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it um, didn't make me very well or very happy to be able to think I've got to go back in there and have some more treatment. Yeah. One of the reasons I did have surgery initially when I was talking with the oncologist was that this was a future option if I needed it. Yeah. Having chemotherapy or whatever right up front can eliminate those options down the track. So Mm. I was happy from that point of view. And after that eight weeks or so, I could come home again, get back into life again. And I continued to do all my things that I get involved in. Your normal things. Normal things, (laughs) my my passions. And that, that was great. I can tell you now that about 80 months ago, my PSA tests are showing, once again, this detectable levels. Yeah. Just got to get on with that and uh, see what happens. So what does that mean? If it's showing detectable levels, that obviously isn't a good thing, right? No, no. And that means now I'll be having six monthly blood tests again. Again, yeah. Okay. Um, just to see how how it goes. What, yeah. What, what happens. It's obviously see what gonna, happens. Yeah. Yeah. Most okay. likely it's going to increase and at some stage you're going to have to have some discussions again with an oncologist. Yeah. I've got myself in a good spot mentally now mm-hmm. and I've even delved into a, some philosophy yeah. in the recent times. Stoicism mm-hmm. is the, the name of the philosophy that I've been reading about and learning about and that's helping me a big time. Yeah. Um, so what does that involve? Stoicism is the word for a Greek and Roman philosophers that lectured on how to live life, how to be a better person, how not to focus on the things you can't control and focus on those things you can, how to be a better person, how to, how to treat people properly. Yeah. And really it tells you how to live and in the end it tells you how to die. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been... It's been really good, and I'm going to keep delving into that philosophy. Like I said, it was Greek and Roman times in a pre-Christianity, so we're talking about three or four years BC or centuries. Yeah, very, very interesting and very good for me. And so it talks, like I said, it talks about focusing on the things you can control, and in the end, there's very little you can control. It's really your reactions and opinions, not other people's, and your own character and how you treat other people. Yes. And the things you can't control, which is maybe what might happen in the future or what other people think of you or whatever, you just don't put any time and effort into that. Something that I do discuss with cancer patients and or survivors, especially survivors, is kind of this newfound way of thinking post going through treatment and being in remission. And do you think this kind of goes hand in hand with what you're studying now and you maybe wouldn't have been going down this road if you hadn't have? I think looking back on, yeah, my my treatments, my the whole, everything for the last 13 odd years, in some ways has been good for me because it's made me think about a whole lot of things I wouldn't have otherwise. It's me made too. Me, yeah, it's made yep. me read stuff, get involved in things that I probably wouldn't have otherwise done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't regret any of that. Yes. And even going through, you know, bad bouts of anxiety and almost depression, mm. coming out the other side, I think, actually, I'm glad I went through that because it did mean that I had a, yeah, a whole new fresh look at, my life and 
it's been good. Of course. It changes the way that you think. And when you mentioned going in regards to this Roman and Greek philosophy, I'm like, wow. I'm, the, what I'm getting at is in many ways it kind of goes, you know, hand in hand. You go through this really, really, really shitty situation yep. and you come out on the other side and yeah. digging deeper into that is really interesting. Like my ears just immediately were like, oh, maybe that's something that I should look into on a deeper level in well, terms of... Yeah, look, I'm not a religious person. I never yeah. have been. Okay. This this stoicism sort of basically, yeah, teaches you how to reason mm. and and look at what you can control and not rely on faith, if you yeah. like, or something that is not in your control. Yeah, it's been very helpful. And it's early days for me. I'm I've still got a, a way to go yeah. looking into it. But, yeah, it's really been good for my head. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And you're just getting started too, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I find it really interesting that we we cross paths because of you doing so much for the community. So I think that's really impressive. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. It makes me feel good. Yeah. Makes me feel worthwhile. Yeah. I'll keep doing it. Keep, absolutely. Yeah. So you're just seeing where you're going. Yeah, just monitoring my blood levels. And I don't want to even think about the levels until the next time they're due. Good. And they're so low at this point in time that they're not a concern. And, you know, I'm on the wrong side of 70 now. So a lot of people, a lot of guys can end up dying with prostate cancer not because of it mm. so i'm focusing on keeping fit and healthy and active yeah doing the things that really interest me and yep living my life what are those things that interest you oh well photography is one that's been with me since i was very young i actually left school went to an art school in melbourne studied graphic design for a while and photography was part of that. So I got more involved in photography from that point of view. I ended up studying photography in Melbourne and working with a commercial photographer for quite a while. I take a camera wherever I travel. And even you know, when the during my working time, I'd always have a camera with me and I'd be traveling around. I just give me a lot of joy. And more recently, I've started to show my work in a couple of exhibitions. That's been a good process too. I'm a bit of a rev head. I'm into cars, especially old classic cars and different sort of cars have been for a long time. And now I've got the time and I can put my effort into that. I've got, I think last count, about eight or nine cars at the moment. Some are work in progress. Others I drive fairly regularly, go to shows. I do track days. With a couple of my cars. Yeah. So you've got some really strong passions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Exercising, you're always riding as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, my right knee has worn its meniscus out at the moment yep. and probably have to be replaced at some stage. So my running days are over for the time <laughs> being. <laughs> uh, but like I said, I was, I was a pretty keen triathlete for a long time and so I can still ride and swim and I'm doing that daily. Okay, amazing. Which is great. Yeah. And is that something that you did whilst you were sick? Yeah. Well, obviously when I was really unwell, Mm. uh, both physically out of recovering from operations or radiotherapy that I I couldn't 
do anything for a while, and that that was adding to my angst. One of the first things I did was to get back into a routine, even if it was just walking somewhere down the beach for a little while until I could clear your head. Start to run a bit and get the bike going. Um, Something my oncologist even continues to tell me to do every day now. Like obviously we hear how good it is to exercise for everything, for longevity, for our mental health, for our health. But it is so important, especially if you're going, if you can get out of bed, if you're dreadfully ill and you can't, obviously you have to take that into reason. But if you can. If you can and if you can get together with some friends Mm. and set a time or a regular appointment to meet somewhere to go for a run or a ride or whatever it is. Yeah. That a routine is great can make a massive difference. And a social interaction is great. I mean, going back to when I had my operation, I had qualified for the World Triathlon Age Group Champs in New Zealand. And so I had about six months before that was event was happening. I had my operation and I finally got back training and I managed to be able to go to New Zealand and represent Australia as yeah. an age group triathlete with a bunch of my friends and that was fantastic. Yeah. Really good. So, yeah, having a focus like that, a reason to train and yeah. keep going. Get out there. Yeah. It was really good for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think exercise and being physically moving and capable of doing stuff is so important. You are actually my first guest that I've had on the show that's been affected by prostate cancer. I've had all different kinds, and as you and I both know, cancer comes in many different shapes or sizes. Absolutely. And doesn't hold back when choosing its victims. But something that I really want to focus on men's mental health throughout this show as much as I can. I identify as a female, you know, that mm. I can't live and breathe and discuss that, but I can empathize and I can put importance on it. Yes. And it's also scary how many people are getting diagnosed with prostate cancer as well, like alarming. Well, I get a regular newsletter. Yeah. I was part of a local prostate support group here initially. I still get the newsletters and information. And I think I read just recently that actually there's more men diagnosed with prostate cancer annually now than women with breast cancer. Not much more, but that's already that important or that significant. Yeah, which is a lot. And that's a massive statistic. It is. It is. We've just got to be aware that blokes need to consider their health as much as anything else. 100%. Yeah. And get checked. Absolutely. And talk about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, if anyone, any bloke that's about to turn 40 Mm. should go to their GP and say, I want an annual health check. You can get a full blood test so you can check your diabetes and whatever, blood sugars. But include the PSA, the prostate-specific antigen test. Is that available? At- any, anywhere, any yeah. doctor, anywhere. Yeah. And, and it's a simple procedure. So easy. Within a couple of days, you'll get a report and you need to know. Yeah. It's no good not knowing. And it's important. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I was talking to somebody recently, a bloke. And he was saying his attitude in regards to... I was talking about my story and how I had cancer when I was younger and how sometimes I do get anxious when I think about it reoccurring and then I have six months where I don't think about it and then I've got a test coming up and then that's when I just go... I just fully kind of lose my mind internally Mm. about it. And he was... I just don't get 
checkups about anything or blood tests because I don't want to know. You kind of have to know. <laughs> it's very common in blokes. Yeah, exactly. That I've uh, come into contact since my whole process of going through prostate cancer. Yeah. And uh, yeah. They just want to bury their head in the sand, if you like, or ignore it. And it's not our place to tell people to go get checked, but we can definitely encourage it. Absolutely. And for the sake of your family, particularly, and all your friends and whatever, yeah, it's important. I mean, the cars and classic cars and stuff, and I spent a lot of time maintaining and making sure the wheel bearings and the car's running properly and everything's, you know, well maintained. Yeah you got to do the same thing with your own body yeah. and uh, get it checked. Absolutely. Yeah. That's your spot on there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask what it was like I, because a lot of our listeners aren't listening from Port Lincoln. They're all across the country, mm. in fact, all kinds of different people. And something that I really wanted to do whilst I was living in Port Lincoln was highlight the effects that cancer have on people living in rural and regional areas. Yeah. And I wanted to know, what was that like for you? It wasn't easy. We talked about before that you can't get scans and things done locally. And there wasn't any support group whatsoever. So you're on your own. You feel you're totally isolated on your own. You talk to your friends and you soon know that some friends don't want to know about talking about this with you. So you can be very isolated and that's not a good thing. No. And that's why I want to talk about it because I'm a big city kid. I grew up in Brisbane. Yeah. And I don't want to sound like a rotten bag, but I didn't I didn't think I, I didn't think about what that looked like for people in hmm. regional and rural places. Yeah. And it's yeah. like it's a lot. And I think it's important that we talk about it so people can hear about it so sure. change can be made and it can be brought to some people's attention because it's this place is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Oh, and then look, Port Lincoln is relatively a largish regional centre, especially in South Australia. So there are Smaller medical facilities and, and things. But I've lived in places where there was only nine people yeah. in, in the town, <laughs> or you know, and obviously no no doctor nearby at mm. all. You have to travel some distance to to do that. So you often don't because of that, or you maybe think, oh. I'll wait till I've got to go to the big smoke to buy some furniture or something. Yeah. And then maybe I'll have time to do something. So, yeah, you're you're disadvantaged big time by being away from major medical centres. And, yeah, and it costs money to travel and accommodation and whatever. And all those are disincentives that people in regional areas face. Yeah. And they'd rather probably avoid... Sometimes. Yeah, but, you know, I uh, I grew up in Melbourne. I was born in Melbourne and spent 25 years in Melbourne before I escaped. And yeah. I don't want to go back there or into a big city either. I really love the rural lifestyle. Yeah. And, but, the, yeah, there is a bit of a downside. And, yeah, it affected me at the time. So I'm, I guess I'm a sort of guy that will talk to my friends about their health. Yeah. And I often ask people that I haven't seen for a while, or blokes particularly, tell me, what's your PSA reading mm. now? <laughs> and they either glaze over and don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah. Or we start talking about it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I wish someone had said that to me mm. when I was in my 40s or whatever. Yep. I would have probably been more proactive than I was. Yeah. They're lucky to have you. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to that, fellas, ask your mates. Yeah. It's a conversation that needs to be had. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's a simple thing to have an answer to if you just go and see your GP and get a blood test. Yeah. Watching my dad interact recently with one of his oldest friends who had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer was interesting because mm. they're two blokes. They're 58, 59. And it was just an interesting dynamic because his whole life changed when his daughter had it. Yeah. And dad was soft and vulnerable and emotional and he's a farm boy, but that changed him. And then the other day when he was talking to his mate, he was like, oh, hope you're all right, mate. And I felt like I had to like whisper things in his ears because he didn't know what to say. He was trying his hardest to be there. Yeah, yeah. And deal with his one of his best mates being diagnosed with it, but I think he hmm. just wasn't sure. Like it was, it was hard for him. Absolutely, it is, and for some people, it's impossible. Yeah. So. And you can't knock people for not being able to be there because it's a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Finding someone that you can have a chat to and feel relaxed enough to open up about whatever. Yeah. Can make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Is really important. Whatever gives you comfort. One way or another, other than doing something silly like <laughs> drinking yourself under the table every yeah, night or whatever. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> is important and whatever that is. Yeah. And yeah, so hopefully you can find a comfortable place to get your head into and mm. relate to people that understand you. Yeah. That's the only other thing I can think of. Yeah. Do you think cancer has changed you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Dramatically? Because some people it doesn't, some people it does, some people oh. I think are still trying to figure that all out. Oh, it's certainly changed me and my outlook and all sorts of things, as mm. we've sort of talked about. I mean, I, I find it difficult to think that someone could go through a process like that without being changed one way or another. Yeah. Hopefully for the good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. It's yeah made me a better person and made me understand myself much better. I think, than I would have otherwise, yeah. Yeah. One thing that I have found with this podcast is that sometimes it's mates listening and they're trying to figure out what they can do to be present for their friend's current diagnosis. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, really just to have one-on-one sessions and just listen. You don't have to say much at all. Mm -hmm. You just have to be there and encourage someone just to, talk about how they're feeling or what's going on in their head. Yeah. Um, you really don't need to do much more than that. Mm. Just be empathetic and... Present. And have a good listen. Have a hug. Hold hands. Whatever. Shed a tear if you need to. You don't need to be a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or anything else. Mm. You just need to be a mate. Yeah. And listen. Absolutely. Very important. Now, one last question. Sure. If you can give anyone, I guess this is a very broad, hard question, so I'm sorry. Sure. But if you can give advice to people who are currently going through a prostate diagnosis or treat, what would that advice be? Oh, well, have a, have a good relationship with the, your oncologist, particularly, and your GP. Sometimes that's not easy to do. So you might even have to shop around a little bit, mm. feel comfortable with particularly the person that's going to give you a whole lot of good advice about treatments and options and whatever. Yeah. Become knowledgeable. You can do that a bit online, but it's talking to someone that 
is in a prostate support group or whatever that's gone through similar things and has got some options to give you, mm-hmm. have a good think about it, um, ask questions. Yeah. Um, don't just sort of roll your eyes and lay back and say, well, I'm just going to do whatever the experts say. Yeah. You've got to have a bit of an idea of the options. Understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself educated a little bit. Yeah. Good job, mate. Thank you so much for sharing your story. No and worries. for those of you that don't know, because you don't know, because you might not live here, <laughs> Ross continues to do incredible things for our community, and which is about roughly 15,000 people here in Port Lincoln. Is that's that right. right? Yeah, that's about it. Plus bigger once you branch out to the EP. Yeah. But thank you so much because you don't have to do that stuff. You don't have to put on events. You don't have to do shindigs to raise money for cancer and it's really really incredible so thank you so much oh well i have fun that's great yeah i enjoy it it is fun it is and it's just so natural sometimes to give back in many different ways oh absolutely we've been given a second chance in a sense i know that sounds dramatic but it is the truth (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah 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 so yeah that's part of what i'm learning about with this philosophy of stoicism how to how to be a better person how to be Focus on your virtues, your character, and you will make other people happy just by doing those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Good. So if people, just casually, if somebody reaches out to me and they're like, can I talk to Ross? Am I allowed to give them your details? Oh, sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, just because sometimes people... Yeah, yeah, no problem. All right.